Hello everyone. I want to welcome you back to See the Sunrise. This is season two and episode 34. Seeing the sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. It is in the book of Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. We hear where the Lord spoke to the prophet while he was in prison and he said to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing, not only behind the scenes, but in the lives of everyday people like you and me. From the pulpit to the pew, we all have had various challenges and experiences that bring us to a need for Christ in our lives. Today, I'm speaking with Edmund Buck. Edmund is a first responder with the City of Moraine Fire Department. I met Edmund a few years ago, and although he's a quiet spirit, He's clearly a man who has a fire for God. I guess being a fireman suits him. <laughs> All kidding aside, I'm excited to get some time to speak with him and to share our conversation with the listeners. Let me also say that Edmund has also volunteered and works with a prison ministry. Um, he works with the Juvenile Detention Center, where he brings a message to those who have been incarcerated for various crimes or um, misdeeds. As he brings them the word of God, I'm sure he has some lessons that can help anyone struggling with making right decisions. So please join me as I welcome Edmund. Hello, Edmund, and welcome. My pleasure. Yeah. Good to be with you, Pastor. Oh, I'm so glad you agreed to do this. I want to thank you so much for your willingness um, to do this podcast with me and just say as I've had the opportunity to witness your teachings, you have a deep-seated relationship with Christ. And I really believe through our discussion today that they're gonna, there's going to be someone listening whom you can offer some guidance and hopefully an uplifting message of hope. So let, let's start our conversation. I think the first thing I want to ask you is, how did you come to um, salvation or this relationship you have with Christ? Because this, this whole podcast for me is about seeing the sunrise and it's the S-O-N meaning Christ in our lives. So I think it's always important for people to understand, how did you get there? Amen. Well, I, growing up, I used to go to church a lot, um, but I really never understood the importance of relationship. Um, I think it was more so out of religious obligation or, you know, my desire to make my mother happy or the particular person that she was dating at the time who happened to be a preacher, um, it wasn't until much later on in my life, I was probably 22, 23 years old, that's when uh, some things uh, transpired in my life uh, that, for lack of better words, a wake-up call. Uh, and as a result of that, I really, really began to seek the faith of God. I was, I was getting to the point where I was at the end of my rope. I even entertained, entertained the possibility of, and I don't want to say taking my own life, but it was so much so to the point where I didn't care about it. So I was, I was caught up in certain behaviors that were very self-destructive. And uh, and if I if anything were to happen to me or whatever, you know, my my attitude was I, I don't care. 
got to the point. I said, God, if you feel, I, I need you to show me because I don't know what else to do. And uh, and when I got to the point where I was so broken, you know, sh shattered in a thousand pieces, that's when God stepped in and he began to, to heal. He began to show me my worth and he began to help me to realize what love and, and relationship and value and, and relevance truly meant through his eyes mm -hmm. and, and not through the eyes of other people. So, uh, so that's kind of what happened. You know, it's interesting because I, in my conversations sometimes with individuals who they are on the fence of believing or receiving Christ, and when people like ourselves, we talk about Christ because we get it. Um, and often many will, will say that it's hard to put into words your salvation experience. Would you say that's true? I would agree. I would agree. Um, I mean, it's, it's your own personal journey. And nobody's going to understand what you have gone through and what steps you had to take and God walking with you along the way to get you to where you are at the present time. You know, it's, it's your own personal journey. So you intimated that the uh, gentleman that your mom was dating at the time, and I try not to, you know, pry because I, I think there's some things that are sensitive. Um, would you say that not having stability maybe was one of your reasons where you didn't care at one time in your life? Well, Pastor, the, the thing that really, I guess, I guess traumatized me when I, um, was the fact that I, I, I felt betrayed because the, the particular person that my mother was dating, I, I looked to him as like a father. I was one of those individuals who grew up in a, in a, in a household without a fa father. My mother was a single mother raising two boys. And she did, I know, I, I love my mother. She's unbelievable. One of the, the strongest and most important women I could ever know. And I thank God for her every day. And she did her best. Um, but the particular person that she was with at the time, uh, he had, he had a, a, a dark past. And, um, even though he was uh, a preacher, you know, he carried a Bible and, and do all these religious things. Um, but his past was the thing that really, really, uh, I guess, influenced his dark past was, was the thing that really influenced me and had an impact on me in a negative way. And when I say dark past is that, you know, he had... Uh, he had mentally and physically abused me at a young age. Um, and, and that's why I say I felt betrayed because, you know, he would sit down with me and go over uh, the various scriptures in the Bible. But yet, you know, the, the very next day he could be saying something to me cross or, or touching me inappropriately, you know, and I, and I felt like I was helpless at the time. Mm -hmm. And, and as a result of that, uh, you know, it, it really caused me to withdraw. 
I, I mean, I really stopped trusting people. Mm-hmm. And, and so there was a lot of layers, a lot of stuff that, that had to be broken through. And the only one that was able to do that was Jesus Christ. You bring up a really good point because the people that are in our lives by choice or by no choice of our own, they really do influence um, our upbringing and what we become. But what you're also saying and what I hear, because I know it's happened in my own life, is that when we allow God to enter in, he can fix that which was broken, but we have to be open um, to allowing God to come in. Would you say that that's true? And how would you, how do, how does a person let God in from your perspective? I I think the the first thing is, is a person has to realize that they're broken. I had to realize that I was broken and I needed fixing. And there was nothing else out there that could fix me. Mm -hmm. No one else had the ability. It was going to take a a miracle, the miraculous, the supernatural in order to fix me because, you know, I don't know if any, I mean, I'm sure there's people out here who may be listening who have potentially gone through uh, mental health, mental abuse, sexual abuse. There are spirits attached to that. Mm -hmm. There are spirits attached to that. Mm -hmm. And and so the, the only thing that can remove that you know, it, it takes a supernatural phenomenon in order to overcome uh, th- that supernatural warfare that's taking place inside of a person at that particular time. So it took God to step in to help me get delivered of those spirits okay. that, you know, that tried to destroy me, mm-hmm. so if, if that makes sense. It does. So where does courage come in? Because as children often we don't have the words because the things that are uh, affecting us, we have, we don't have the mental aptitude or spiritual aptitude to comprehend because we trust the adults to, to take care of us. Does courage come in somewhere where let's say someone was abused as a child and now they're an adult, but those memories of the past are affecting their ability to move forward. Where does mm-hmm. courage come in there? Um, courage, I think, again, it, it comes from God. Um, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a faith walk. A, a person has to have enough faith in their relationship and, and what God can do and in, his, and in his word to cultivate the courage to be able to, uh, press on and press forward and move on and, and, and get beyond uh, your current situation. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the goal was not to stay stuck, but to, 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 to get moving. And, you know, so that's what God had to do it. Now I will say that it, it's a, it's a, it's a gradual journey. It's a step-by-step process. And that's the, the, the wonderful thing about God is, is, is God is gracious and he's tender and he's patient. And he allows you to kind of get through these different uh, processes in, in, your, in your life to help get you to the place uh, that he wants you to be in order to be able to help others. And so, you know, it took some time, but God got me there. And it was it was my faith 
in his process, which gave me the courage to get moving. If that makes sense. It does make sense. And you bring up a lot of great points. There's so many things. I'm making myself notes so I can remember to ask you these things. So one courage, we have to seek out the Lord. And it kind of goes with that beginning scripture I always start my podcast with when um, Jeremiah was in prison and the Lord told him to call to him and he'll answer him. And I think that we also have an opportunity to call out to God and lay our concerns at his feet. There's some other things that come out of your conversation um, so far, and that is even people of faith or people who espouse to be followers of Christ, preachers, teachers, deacons, whoever they are, they too are subject to um, not following the principles of God. Would you say that would be so? Yes. Yeah. I, I think a person can get so caught up in in life um, that it it becomes easy to be to, to become distracted, um, and you begin to focus on the things that are going on around you, and your focus shifts from God onto other things, and then and then there you are. Kind of in a situation. Yeah, in the where now Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no. And I was just saying, you, you kind of find yourself in a situation as a result of that distraction, where now you're crying out to God, God, help me, you know, to get to get me out of this mess that I've got myself in. So. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And it, it's interesting because you have to have a healthy fear of God to um, follow after God, because the word talks about when someone does an offense to one of his his sheep and it, that's hard to understand because when someone's hurting us it's as if do, or don't they fear god or don't they really know who god is and i i really do want to make a point here for our listeners just because someone is saying lord lord they may not necessarily be talking about the same lord yeah. because there are there are um people who dress as sheep that really aren't sheep. And God gives us the ability through the Holy Spirit to discern that. So as I move through this, um, because this is really a great conversation, and oftentimes we religious people, and I like to see, think of myself as spiritual as yourself, people, um, sometimes we can get so caught up in religiosity that when spirituality is really introduced, it's almost like they don't come together because we can keep rules and, 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 and laws for a period of time, but you have to have the spirit of God in you to continue to walk out your faith. Would you say that that's true? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm, re I'm reminded of that scripture for as many are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. You can say that so, again, because that truly is that. Why don't you repeat that scripture? Because that really is the essence of all of it. Amen. I'm reminded of that scripture that says, for as many are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. So in my journey, I have to always be cognizant or conscientious of what is leading me. Mm -hmm. is, is it is it my self-will? Is it my flesh? Is it my mm -hmm. personal desires and ambitions? Ambitions, or is it the Holy Spirit? Is it God leading me? And so, and that's um, and 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 dealing with all that emotional trauma, sometimes the anger and the frustration and the and the and the feelings of betrayal and 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 not trusting people and all this other stuff can 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 
quench my testimony, can quench my the, the spirit of God, because it's like I don't want to open up to anybody because I'm upset today or I'm angry today. And it's going to be really difficult for me to share Jesus Christ in that mindset. So the me being led by the spirit is is so vitally important. You know, each and every day I wake up now, I would be I would be remiss to say that, you know, there are times where I don't you know, find myself in a situation where, you know, because of things that are going on, things that are transpiring in my life, I get a, I get distracted because I do. But, you know, it's always God helping me find my way back is the, is the beauty behind his, his grace and mercy. So. That's 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 great. I um, I'm always I admire you have this quiet power because when you do speak, I mean, the essence of it, you can tell that you have spent that time with the Lord and that that's who you walk with. And oftentimes people take quiet people as maybe, you know, they don't have a, a lot to say, but you say it when it's necessary. Now, tell me, you, you got through life, you were able to look back at some things, allow God to reshape your thinking on, on particular issues and that. What made you get into um, becoming a, a first responder, getting into the fire department? What, what Was that a desire or? Well, the desire came from me wanting, I've always wanted to do something uh, centered around helping people. That, that was from day one. Uh, to, to what that was, you know, I, it took some time to figure that out. Um, at the time, just before I got into the fire service, I was really struggling uh, to to find my way in terms of you know what I wanted to do as a career, uh, trying to you know support a family at the particular job that I was working, and there was a lot of frustration centered around that. But one thing I did know is is I was crying out to God each and every day and I was I was hanging on to his word. Uh and I and I knew that this is, you know, this is just the beginning if I just hold on a little bit longer. Um and so uh, you know God opened up some doors where I met some people who kind of shared with me about the fire service and, and kind of talked to me about it and just said, hey, you know, once you consider this and and really, I didn't give it a second thought because, you know, the mindset was growing up is that, you know, black people don't become firefighters, you know, because it's, you know, you have to know somebody who knows somebody to become a firefighter or you have to be white to get jobs like that. I didn't and so know I just that kinda, was a thought. That was a thought back then? Yes, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. You know, and it it's one of those typical jobs that's passed down from generation to generation, like. My dad was a firefighter and his dad was a firefighter. And that's how you become a firefighter. Well, it's well, clear it's not an aptitude issue. It's really, you think it was a color issue. Right. Okay. Right. And so, um, you know, I had to kind of get past, fight past those those thoughts of, uh, you know, negativity and, and thinking about what other people would think if I were to become a firefighter. And I just really kind of did, did some research. and then. One particular evening, my mother told me that they were uh, going to hold this orientation about uh, becoming a firefighter at Sinclair. And it was, you know, like seven o'clock in the evening. I had just gotten off work 
really didn't feel like going down there, but I did. And so I go down to Sinclair, the fire science building, and I sit in uh, on this orientation. And it was there was so many people there. And this is just this goes to show you how awesome that is. It was probably 200 people in, in that particular room at the time. And I remember praying, asking God, Lord, you know, if you want me to be here, you, you, you got to you know, make this happen for me. You got to work it out. And they wanted everybody in the room to write an essay off the cuff, on the fly, about why you wanted to be become a firefighter. And it had to be like a 200-word essay or something. And I did. And I was one of the, the people that got selected that kind of started my journey to becoming a, you know, becoming a firefighter. So I like when you say that you pray, and it's almost like you pray about everything before you make that step. So which, how old were you when you started really walking with God? Were you in your... I was, I was 23 is when I really discovered relationship, uh, 23. That's amazing. Usually 23-year-olds are really kind of sowing their oats and seeing what's out there. But you somehow, do you believe that it's a situation where God called you and this was what you were always supposed to be doing? Um. Uh, well, I, honestly, I didn't know that God had given me some gifts that allowed, you know, me to fit well in the fire service until I actually started doing it. And um, and in, in the process of doing that, I realized that that alone is a ministry because you're always coming across people who are, you know, who are hurting, mm-hmm. you know, to what degree of of hurt it really depends but you know there's also always opportunities um to be an encouragement to people to you know to share people uh uh, share with people about you know maybe your own personal experiences or even you know hey do you go to church do you do you know god and i know there's a there's a certain uh you, you have to sometimes use wisdom you have to be careful in situations like that but God gives me the wisdom to be able to do it where I don't feel like I'm crossing a line. I was just getting ready to time. ask you that. Is there this line that you with church, church and state and things that you should or shouldn't be doing? I mean, how do you know when it's okay? Well, I, I, I just share with whoever I may be talking to at that particular time about mm-hmm. how, how God has helped me. So, you know, I don't know. I, I may say something like, I don't know what your what your beliefs are, but I know, you know, there's been times that I've been hurting. I may have been suffering. And this is what this is what this is. has This is the thing that has helped me over the past. This is what has helped me. So, you know, maybe just, you know. Take a chance and, you know, I don't know if you have a church to go to or if you have a Bible to read, you know, but there's there's resources out there, uh, you know, people that are willing to reach out to you to help you. So you don't have to kind of go through whatever you're going through on your own. So, I, you know, I kind of put a maybe a little bit of a social services kind of spin on it. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like I'm also sh- sharing Christ. It's, it's um, I think that's great. I think that, you know, a lot of people may not know that firefighters don't just fight fires. You're really kind of medics and and um, first responders for people that are struggling with things. Am I correct with that? Yes, and absolutely. So, and so what would you say, and I know I, I trust and, and believe in anonymity, um, 
But what would you say is one of the most challenging um, runs you've had to make in your role? Um, well, I'll never forget, Pastor, it was uh, February of 2020. Um, it was the, uh, and I can't be real specific, but I'll just say it was the, it was the worst accident I've ever seen on the highway. The worst accident I've ever seen on the highway. It was, you know, I've seen a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of bad stuff. And, and I don't, and I'll say, I don't see how anybody could do any type of first responder job and not have a relationship with Jesus Christ just because of the, the, the trauma that you get to, that you experience on a, on a regular basis. But when I witnessed this particular situation, this accident, I mean, it was, it was almost, it was almost as if I was outside of myself because it's like, I don't, this doesn't even seem real. It felt surreal. It was so horrifying. And, uh, and the only survivor at the particular time was this nine-year-old girl who her, her, her entire family was killed. Uh, and she was the only survivor. And I remember picking this little girl up out of the car. You know, it was like I had to, I, I wanted to be emotional, but at the same time, it was like God was saying, you have a job to do, so do it. Mm. And so I, I remember taking this little girl and, and getting her out of this mangled car and getting her on the cot and getting her in the back of the medic and just getting, getting uh, to the hospital as quickly as possible. But, it, you know, it was just, I would never forget, February 20th. So how do you keep your mental, emotional, spiritual stability when you witness? Because in, in life, we know we're going to see things, but in your role, you're just going to see, that's your job. You're going to see it more often than any of us because you're seeing it live and you're having to respond to it live. And then you right. somewhat answered it when you said, you, 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 the Lord's telling you, you got a job to do. And so you've got to do that job, but at the same time, it has to tear at you. It, it does. Um, and, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in uh, for me personally. I can't speak for anybody else's experience, but, but that's where the Holy Spirit comes in for me because I just realize the havoc that these situations can, can wreak on people's lives. Um, and I just don't understand how you could not have a connection to God and be able to do what we do and experience what uh, first responders experience and still maintain some sense of sanity, wow. um, you know, and, and, and control and, and, and joy and peace and all those things that are so important to get on with life. I just, I mean, it, it, it's, it's nothing short than a miracle in my eyes. Mm -hmm to get past these, these situations. So. I tell you, I could ask you so many more questions about that role, but I also want to spend some time and talk to you about the prison ministry. Tell me a little bit about that and how you got into it. Um, I got involved with prison ministry, I believe it was back in 2000. Uh, so I've been doing it for 20 years, 20 plus years now. Um, and the reason why I got involved, I got because I, I mentioned that I, you know, I 
started discovering what it meant to have a relationship with God. And one of the things that was shared with me by other brothers and sisters that I was walking at the time is getting plugged in because it's one thing to, you know, to say I have a relationship with God and I'm saved, but just, you know, just go to church and, and sit in a pew and do nothing. And, and that's what I was used to, just going to church and doing nothing. And somebody told me, Ed, you got you to gotta do something. You got to get plugged in. You know, faith without works is dead. See, and if you have faith in God, you have to show it. And so I was thinking, like, well, what, what can I do? What can I do? I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. Um, and somebody said, hey, won't you try prison ministry? Um, you can just you can start out just, you know, helping out, set up stuff, set up, you know, set up the speakers, set up the mics, do this do that. And then it got to the point where uh, one of the brothers at the time at the particular church I was going to said, hey, man, I feel like God uh, has kind of put a call in your life. I see an anointing on you. I'd like for you to kind of, you know, start helping out with with, you know, ministry, the ministry side, doing some teaching. And, and then it kind of evolved into sharing us, you know, a sermon or two. Um, so I, I, I did that for a while. And then probably in 2005 is when I hooked up with uh, Betty Hill. So, um, Betty Hill's sister, Betty, who was over Project Reach Ministries. And her ministry was focused on because that was the adult side of prison ministry. Okay. Her ministry. Her ministry focused on the youth side of ministry, and that's when I got plugged in uh, with the youth side of it. And, and from that point on, my focus has been primarily on uh, working with young people in the prisons. So, what has been some of the concerns that you notice, if you could summarize for the uh, juveniles that have been incarcerated? Do you see any commonalities there amongst the groups? I do. I see just sitting down and listening to young people share, uh, a, a lot of it has to do with uh, um, sexual abuse, mental health, uh, you know, things like that, uh, drug addiction, um, you know, just, just feeling disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. You know, young, young people who just feel like uh, they don't really have um, stability in their life. You know, their you know their home life is unstable. Um, you know, and they don't have a, a refuge, a safe haven, and so they oftentimes they they find more safety in the streets, hanging out with you know friends or whatever, running the streets, than they than they oftentimes do at home. They feel more secure being running with their friends then at home and then you know sometimes because of bad choices find that you know find themselves in situations where they end up in the system uh, but uh, you know there's a there's a lot of moving parts that has contributed to you know them getting tied up in the system so are, are, do you minister to both men and women or is it separated um it's well i try to focus more on the young men I have had the opportunity to minister to young ladies, but, you know, I, my focus primarily is and has been on young men. Mm -hmm. 
So are these children, because that's what they are if they're juveniles, do they have long terms or long sentences? Or is this something, and, and are they required to come and hear this? Or this is voluntary for them to come and sit at a, a ministry initiative? Well, it, it really depends, Pastor, on the youth leader. Um, oftentimes, if the youth leader is a man or woman of God, um, it's they're voluntold. They say, hey, you can either go to chapel or you can sit in your room and, you know, do whatever. And a lot of, a lot of times the alternative is a lot more boring than going to chapel. Because chapel, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, so, you know, I've been in my pod all day long. This gives me an opportunity to get out of my, my room and, and walk around and, and have some liberties. So they, a lot of times they end up in chapel, whereas other youth leaders, it really depends on their relationship with God. They just may say, hey, you know, nobody wants to participate today. So you just move on to the next unit. So that's one unit. This unit doesn't want to participate. You move on to the next unit and ask if they want to participate. So that's kind of how. It works. Mm -hmm. So do have you noticed any breakthrough spiritually as a result of ministering? Have you found uh, individuals that have changed their lives or? actually are now in search of God, a search of Christ. Um, yes, on occasion, I have the opportunity, the blessing to, to have run into young people that I have shared my testimony or have had the opportunity to minister to while they were in the system. God has blessed them to come out of the system, and I may see them run into them at the mall or or wherever i remember one particular time where i was at a uh i happened to be at work as a matter of fact it's funny i happened to be at work and we were doing a safety talk at a particular school uh in 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 uh at in the city that i work for at the school and this young lady young girl she was probably she's sixth grade maybe but she walks up to me and says hey i remember you you came downtown and talked to us about, you know, the Bible and stuff like that. And, and I'm doing really good now. And, and I mean, that really blessed me because, you know, God, God, he, he's so awesome because he shows you the fruits of your labor, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of times we think that our labor is in vain. Like, am I really making a difference? Right. You know, but, but when you realize you're not doing this, doing this for, you know, for, yourself or anybody else you're doing it for the lord you know you just plant the seed someone else waters and god gives the increase and god allowed me to see that a witness that I, that, uh, that moment with that young lady that was god telling me here is the increase mm. so and that's a great point because a lot of times we do work and it sometimes it seems tireless like am i just spinning my wheels am i just going in circles and just hearing one person say you made a difference uh, that in itself can really propel you to keep going for actually years and years, just knowing one person got it. Now, you aren't the only one in your family that's in um, service or in the service of others, because I understand you have a son that's in the Air Force and a son uh, that's a police officer. Where do you think all of that desire came from? You think it came from them watching their dad saying, well, if dad can do it, I can do it. I'd like to think. <laughs> that I played a part in uh, in their uh, desire to to serve in public service, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
So, I mean, I, I take a little bit of credit for it, but uh, believe it or not, Pastor, you know, I, I come from a family, a, a long list of uh, uh, public service uh, professionals. You know, my my grandfather served on both my mom and dad's side. My mom and dad both served. My brother served. And now my children are serving. And I'm the only one who has not served in the military, but I chose to serve in, in a different capacity. You know, that's why I'm, I'm working for the fire department. But I think because of maybe it's just something that's embedded in our DNA, um, you know, a, a desire that God, you know, brings out of us to to serve in some, you know, form or fashion. And that's just kind of how how it how it how it transpired out. So you have we have a lot you have a lot of family members. We should be saying thank you for your service. Amen. Amen. It's so has it been God. has it been just Air Force or is Army or just varied? Um, it varied all across. The only branch my family has not served in is the Marine, but every other branch was has they they served. Wow, that's amazing, and that's wonderful. So, if you were to share with our listeners as we get ready to close um, a message of pursuing God being steadfast in faith and never quitting, what would, what would you say? I'll say this again, your salvation journey is your journey and your process and how you get to wherever destination God is taking you. That's between you and God. Um, but I think it's also important as you go through the process and you see um, you see God taking you from glory to glory. Uh, the, the beauty behind your testimony will certainly help encourage and bring other people along. Most importantly, uh, introduce them to this Christ that you know. And the other piece to that is in that journey, understanding that, you know, we're, we're going to get where we were going to get discouraged. But if you have faith in him and, and in his word, and I remember the scripture that God dropped in my spirit um, when I was really, really, you know, on fire for him or, or the discovery of relationship with him was Second Corinthians chapter five. Verse seven that says, "Walk by faith and not by sight," and 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 that's the scripture scripture that I've been carrying around inside of me. That it's a faith walk every day. Ed, you wake up; it's your faith that's going to get you through. That's 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 what I would have to say. Amen, amen. And I want to piggyback on that and just say that yes, it takes courageous faith for us to move um, forward, especially when we have suffered in either our childhood or, or some portion of our life where we have, um, where, we, where we see that people of faith have even caused us to fall. Yet we know that, that God is faithful and he can deliver us from any uh, situation that seeks or desires to devour us. And so what I hear you saying is it takes courageous faith that we do need to share. As you said, we walk by faith and not by sight. Um, that we share our testimonies and, and that does take courage. And I always tell individuals, 
if you're not comfortable, find a safe environment or pray and ask God to send that person or that place where you can be comfortable and know that that individual or those individuals really care about your spiritual growth. And prayer, the whole intimacy of developing that relationship with God, because you can tell him anything and know that he really loves and cares about each and every one of us. And so I think your story says all of that. And I, I know that a lot of men don't really like to talk about abuse, that you would be brave enough to say it. And here's what it does. It encourages others to come and say, you know what? I can relate to that and here's why. And in fact, especially when it's to no fault of our own and especially when we are children. So, you know, that you would share all of um, this with us and your story. And I know there's just so much more. I think people are privileged to have you um, in the fire department, a person who actually cares and a person of faith that you are still at the detention center working with juveniles and many would want to throw up their hands and give up, but you don't give up. You keep going and just having that young lady say, I remember you and how you changed her life. That, that too is just such a blessing. So Edmund, I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time. As I said earlier, for those of my listeners, he is extremely quiet and I thought extremely shy, but just a wealth of information. And not just that, just a passionate, loving servant of God. And that's what draws me to, to Edmund, to you. So Edmund, thank you for your time. I'm praying Amen. that God continue to bless your life. And I know he has a call on your life and I won't say it out loud because I think you already know what it is. Uh, but I'm just praying that God will continue to give you a bold spirit. And to our listeners, uh, until next time, I want to say God bless you and be sure to see the sunrise, the S-O-N rise, to see Christ in your everyday situations. Be blessed.